Okay, so who's gonna talk to mom about the fact that she is not doing okay at home? I'm not talking to her. She likes you better anyway. Ha, very funny. Well, you live closer and you see her more often. No way. I wouldn't even know where to start. I'm your host, Valerie Borgman, and if you have aging parents, chances are this sounds very familiar. Or maybe you're starting to imagine a conversation like this with your family members. This week is part two of our conversation with Becca Wolken of Brookdale Assisted Living. We're talking about strategies for having the conversation about assisted living and care and the very common objections you can expect. Welcome to Desperately Seeking Senior Living, a podcast for sons, daughters, grandkids, and spouses who suddenly find themselves tangled in the search for senior living and care. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and check out our doable download in today's show notes for a printable summary of the show and a bonus tip from our guest. You're listening to our doable tips, short answers to your questions. Don't see your question listed? Send us a note. Then don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an answer. So let's talk about that. Like, what would be the steps, like the actual steps for someone to approach their mom or dad about the issues that they're seeing? Absolutely. So I think what I always like to offer is let me help you have that conversation. I'm not coming or, or you, Valerie, or or anyone else in the kind of in the industry to help you walk through it because we're not coming from a place of emotion. We're not coming from a, from being their child. We're literally seeing it and, and we're kind of zoning in to say, this is what we're seeing. This is my concerns for you. And, and you're almost being like a mediator between the two of them to where you're coming at it from again, just a totally unemotional side of, of just, Hey, this is, this is here to help you. Um, but I think when you're approaching the conversation with your parent, as with anything in life, try to be proactive and not reactive. So what you just said, don't go out there and be like, oh my gosh, you're, this is crazy. You're not even eating. There's no food in your refrigerator to saying, mom, do you need to go to the grocery store? And just having that nice conversation. Then when you're on the way to the grocery store, when's the last time you went to the grocery store, mom? And asking her questions or or him instead of just being almost just overbearing and you know kind of like we react to our teenagers and they're not teenagers they're adults <laughs> and they lived a long right. life without you right so <laughs> it's so hard though it's so hard because I always say family dynamics don't go away yeah. and so there is going to be that temptation to approach the situation you know, maybe in a way that's not going to be received as well. And to be quite honest, there is a huge percentage, I'm sure, of our listeners right now going, ah, that's really funny. It doesn't matter how I approach it. My mom is not going to be yes. happy, <laughs> right? Yes. And so I think I think you're right. I think that sometimes it can be good to have an outside person step in. But I think there's a timing there that has to be right because- yeah. I don't think we can be the first ones. I think there still has to be a conversation, you know, because they know their loved one way better than we do. I And so I kind of feel like there does have to be that conversation that happens before you 
enlist someone, you know, like us to come in. One of the other things that I think can be really helpful when you're starting to even think about this, right, Mm -hmm. is to talk to your siblings, talk to other family members, and kind of gauge what everybody else is seeing. I think that's a really good place to start even before approaching your mom or dad or grandma. Is everyone else seeing the same thing you're seeing? And maybe they're seeing things you're not. And then I feel like that can kind of give you an idea of how serious it might be. Yeah. What do you think about that? No, I would completely agree. And then you also have multiple people. So you're not the bad guy. It's, it's really, truly everyone kind of rallying, yeah. you know, it's kind of like a senior intervention to say, oh my gosh, I, all, <laughs> I hate that speakers. word though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it has a lot of negative connotation behind it. Oh, oh my gosh. Right. I can just imagine I'm 88 and my son comes in with my daughter-in-law and it's like, oh, we're going to do an intervention. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, damn it. I want to stay home. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. Well, and and you're right. I mean, getting more family members involved because there could be a family member that can approach it the the better, you know, I mean, there shouldn't be this, but everyone kind of has their favorite family member where they're like, yeah, would you say Mm -hmm. I I kind of appreciate what you say? And I'm, I'm, you know, kind of on the same page with you and, and rallying that family together before having the conversation will really help to narrow down what to say and who should say it. Cause and and not just family members, right? Doctors. Yeah, absolutely. Because people come to me usually before they've had the conversation with their parent. When they get to you and then you guys meet with me, we've, we've typically gotten through that. But when they first reach out to me, it's usually, I've not talked to mom yet. I don't know how. I'm terrified. And I'm just like, okay, we have a lot of people that can help with this. Do, do they have home health coming in? Do they have home care coming in? What's the relationship with you and the doctor? And who else is coming into the home? Because sometimes it does have to be kind of that third party that kind of puts it out there. And then, you know, you, you can kind of, while you agree with the doctor, you can still be on mom's side to say, you know, mom, I, I get it. I don't want to leave my house either, but he's really worried about this. How do we overcome this? If you don't move to assisted living, or if you don't ask for home care or something like that. So I think involving the doctor is great. They're truly coming from a, from a place that's just very matter of fact. They're so matter of fact when they say you are no longer safe to live in your own home by yourself. Oh yeah. That's got, I, I can't, I hear it frequently. And I've, I've even probably said it to somebody, but to hear that for yourself, Mm. it would be like, what do you, that's where my plants are. What are you talking about? Why would I leave that? That's the old tree in the backyard that the kids planted when, you know, they were little or my son learned to ride his bicycle on that sidewalk right there, or my husband's gone. And every memory we have is wrapped up in this house. That's a devastating thing to realize that you no longer can live in that home that you truly built your life around. Now, some folks don't have that, you know, that maybe they've moved frequently or they're already living in a retirement community or something like that. But where I see the real dig in is when it's, they've lived in that house for 40 years or they built that house or, you know, those types of things. So it's really, how do you transition them away from their heart? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that's everything for them. Yeah, absolutely. 
one of the things that I think it's a, is important about the doctor and involving them is what you said about your relationship with their doctor, because a lot of times, keep in mind, the doctor is getting a 20 minute read. And so having the ability to call the doctor ahead of an appointment to say, listen, and have your list. This is what I'm worried about. These things have happened. This is what we're all noticing before that appointment, I think is really important, especially if there are some serious things like, you know, leaving the stove on or hygiene, because hygiene can lead to UTIs, you know, infection, you can end up in the hospital. So, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think that's super important. And then I think the other thing that you're kind of like touching on with the plants and like leading into is what are the actual objections? Yes. That's what's so important because so often, right. They're fine. They don't need any help. I mean, these are the things they're saying to you right? I'm fine. I don't need any help. I'm good. Nope. I'm, I'm eating plenty. Nope. The neighbor is helping me with meals or housework, right. Or whatever it is, or I don't want to spend your inheritance on assisted living. Yeah. Right. And so what is the real true objection? Because and and for you, like, what do you feel sometimes are like the cover-up objections? And then what are the real objections? You just nailed one of the biggest ones, which is I don't want to spend your inheritance. I don't want to sell my home. That it should stay with the kids, that sort of thing. But I think that's that's surface because the kids like I'm here because I want you here. I, I care less about the money or the house. Spend it all. I just want five more years with you or 10 more years or whatever I can get. So that's a big one. And then the memories are are another big one. I think mm-hmm. too, it's just the, the biggest thing I hear is I'm independent. I don't want to lose my independence. And it's diving deep. What is independence to you? So then, you know, you just kind of ask that question. Well, what is, what is independence? What about, you know, you say all your memories are wrapped up in the house. Your memories are in your mind. So what memory do you only have that sits in this home with you? you know, until like really kind of pull into it. But I think the real underlying factor is we're humans. We don't like change. Our brain is designed to not want it. Our brain is like, that's why we get stuck on the couch watching TV because it's like, (laughs) this is really comfortable. I don't have to really do anything. So I want to stay here. Exactly. Exactly. There's just that, like, I don't want to change. And then I think there's also, there's a negative feeling about assisted living. And there has been for many years, because let's face it, when it first started, it was not what it is today. I mean, we have beautiful, vibrant communities where people are having fun and building new relationships and friendships with people. And I've seen amazing things happen in assisted living where you have someone come in and totally decrepit. And then they're here and it's like, wow, they're glowing and they have friends and their hair's growing back. And it's just like <laughs> amazing things. Um, so I, I, I always push back on the independence because assisted living is designed to help be independent. That's the whole purpose of it is so that you can still live on your own in a private space, but you have those little bits of help when you need it. And you have someone at your beck and call. If there's an emergency, I think another, another big push is just not just the money and it's not just the independence, but it's also the fear of, 
I don't know any of these new people. Mm. What am I going to expect? I'm not, you know, I mean, I'm only 43 and I'm already like, Oh, change gross. So I can't imagine being 83 and, and having to make this change. And then I think another kind of underlying is some people, not every, every person, but they kind of feel like, well, you're just going to put me away and you're not going to come visit me. And that again is not the case. And so really it's about diving deep. One of my favorite questions that, that Brookdale asked every one of us to ask is what's getting harder for you to manage. We all have things, right? I'm, I'm like, oh, juggling this in my life. And so when we ask that question, I think it really dives deep to be like, well, the only thing I'm really having trouble with is getting a shower. Okay. So we're, we're there somewhere. And you kind of look at their, their family members are like, okay, we're, we're getting in. <laughs> we're, we're kind of finding out a yeah. little bit, but what's the concern with the shower? Well, I don't want strangers to see me in the nude. Totally valid totally valid. Yeah. And then you just keep peeling kind of away at the layers and, and let her know or him know, you know, what, like, I think you even did an episode on showers and what to expect. And I, I remember thinking, wow, that's so amazing because that's what's scary is I have no idea what to expect. I go down for meals. Are there other people there? Do they have assigned seats? Is there a protocol on how, I mean, it's like your first day of school. It's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And imagine doing that at 80, 75. Exactly. And honestly, I feel like you're hitting on exactly those are the underlying issues. Those are the things. I even think that the objection of you're just putting me away, I think that's a surface because of course your mom knows you're going to visit her if you're visiting her now, right? right? And I think that some of that, of course, is also based on what things were like, like you were saying when they were dealing, when your parents were having to put their parents or grandparents somewhere for assistance. The industry is so much more advanced now that there are all of these options. Yeah, I actually want to go back to something you touched on, which, which was the in-home care, because one of the things that I really love, especially for families that are out of state and they're not seeing their loved ones and they're just relying on that, I'm fine. I really love the idea of bringing in-home care in like 24 seven for like a day or two. Let's really find out what's happening, like what's going on. Yeah. And then the other thing is that there is technology. There are so many products. We're going to be doing an interview soon, just a fantastic in-home product that is not invasive, but it can give you a lot of information as a family member to help you determine when is the time to have this conversation. Then when you have sort of that list, when these objections come up, then you can kind of go and and say in a very empathetic way, I think Mm -hmm. that's super important. I think you want to empathize, not sympathize because they know they've earned their right (laughs) to not want to move, right? Like they they know. Don't pity me walking my shoes. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So I think that's really important too. And then how do you feel about families actually going to see an assisted living before having the conversation? Because I feel like that could go either way. That could be like, your mom could be really mad that she found out that you went and already looked at a place, or Mm -hmm. it gives you sort of the ability to say, no, there's a really nice place over here. 
That is a tough line. And I think you kind of have to know your parent a little bit in that I always recommend go, go look at several places. Don't overwhelm yourself, but look at several places and then narrow it down to one or two because you're asking them to make a decision. And if you give them seven, do you know how long that decision can take to make? And then of course it's like, (laughs) well, exactly. You know, it's, it's why dessert menus have two or three items on them. So we make it quickly (laughs) and we move on with life. (laughs) um, I love that analogy. (laughs) Well, and, and I, I never thought of it that way. I, I think the restaurants probably do that because if you have a, you have three things to choose from, you're going to make a decision more likely than you would if there's 10 things to choose from because you're taking that time to kind of talk yourself out of it. And so I like the idea of approaching it. I think that sometimes, and I've done this before, you know, sitting in this seat to say, we don't have to tell them you came here. It's, I'm not, I'm not going to offer information. I'll never lie to anyone for anyone, but, or myself, but we don't have to say, oh yeah, when they came here last time, we don't have to offer information up. And I think that's really where it gets a little bit hairy because you want to make sure that you're being upfront and honest with your parent, but then you also need the information. So I don't know that I answered that very well. To be honest. No, I don't really I think know what the answer is. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. And I think honestly, you know, we talk about this in memory care a lot and that's creative truths. And I hear that all the time for, from families. I don't want to lie to my mom. I don't want to lie to my dad. And then I think what we have to think about is why are you even doing this? And it's for their safety. So there is, there is a, a bigger picture here. And we work with a lot of families that really, really struggle with this and make no mistake. Your mom or dad absolutely has the right to stay in their home as long as they want to stay in their home. Yeah. As long as they are living their life to the best of their ability, right? Because there is an organization called APS, Adult Protective Services for us here in Washington state. Every state has their own agency and they're designed to make sure that seniors are living safely in their home. And we've had neighbors call on family members, loved ones. We've had family members call for their own loved ones, you know, and if you're a member of the police department or the fire department, and you're listening in today, you have received phone calls sometimes on a daily basis from seniors who refuse to move from their home, but they're lonely. They need help with their oxygen. They, you know, they're really relying on 911 to provide some assistance to them when it's really not the right scenario. Absolutely. And so these are, you know, some of those other, I guess, obstacles that you're facing as a family member. This could be happening to you. It has happened to our clients. So I think those creative truths can sometimes be a way to help someone who needs help, but they don't want to see that they need the help or they don't think they need the help. We talked about money. We have actually worked with communities before, and I'm sure your community does this, where they send the bill directly to the kids Mm -hmm. and mom or dad doesn't see the bill. Yep. And, or I've even had communities have a mock bill that says a price that their loved one would agree to. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. And so obviously there are so many other layers to this, but I think, I think the bottom line is starting that conversation is really difficult. And I, and, and that's, what we're facing today is, you know, yes, <laughs> yes, it's going to be potentially really hard. Absolutely. 
Becca, how many of your residents have been just super excited to move into your community? They're like, yes. <laughs> how many? Okay. What percentage? Right. Um. So <laughs> I don't even know that I can give you a percentage because I'm not sure how to even factor that. So <laughs> I have been, um, you know, I started my career in the nursing side. So I've really done kind of that uh, community relations piece for probably the last 12 years, maybe 15-ish. Three people, wow. maybe, were like excited. Wow. I, You know, you've visited our community, you've never had a we don't have to barricade our door closed because we have such a rush of people. It's not, <laughs> you know, it's not, um, assisted living. Isn't something you window shop for. It's not something that most people are excited for. I know, you know, even when we have, um, I had surgery a few years ago and I had a family member doting on me and I was like, leave me alone. I'm fine. I just, I won't eat today. Just go away. I'm fine. I just want to sit here. And that's going to get worse as we get older. And so, you know, like broaching that, but, you know, and I tell people that I see their face when they walk in and they're apprehensive and they're not happy to be here. And I just say, you're like everyone else that walks through the store. This isn't something that you're excited about. It's I'm not putting money into my retirement fund for assisted living. If I'm lucky enough to live long enough, I know that I'll use it for that plug for long-term care insurance. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, But I, I think that we really, it has to be approached that way. It can't be approached of like, you're doing this and you have to have this. This isn't, it's a very complicated change. It's a really hard, uncomfortable conversation. And I, I say to families, ask for help having it. And in whatever that means, whether it's another family member, whether it's the doctor, whether it's me, whether it's you, uh, whether it's the neighbor who really gets along with mom because they play bridge together, just ask for that help. Because while it's a hard, uncomfortable conversation, it is important. And, and you might even even have to ask your parent. And I've done this before. Valerie, I know t- today you don't want to make a decision. I get that. And it sounds like you're doing okay in your home. I, I'm, I'm a little concerned about your nutrition needs, but you're an adult and I'm going to respect that. Here's my question to you. What choice do you want to make? What place do you want to go to if you fall and break your hip and you need assisted living? Or if your diabetes, you cannot no longer control it by yourself. Where do you want to go? And I think when you ask that question, you're not asking them to make a decision today, but you're asking them to make the decision of where they're going to go and tell your kids, because on the side where, yeah, it's hard on the parent to hear this. How hard is it on the adult child or the family member to go so hard, man, or to be the part-time caregiver or the full-time caregiver. And I think having your loved one understand that. And I've asked that question Valerie, I know this is, you don't want to do this for you today. I get that. But I see your son here and he's struggling and he can't juggle his full-time job, taking care of his family. It sounds, you know, coaching softball on the weekends for his daughter and managing your medication daily. So can you make a decision today to do the right thing for him? And sometimes it really is about that. And that's, you know, and I sit and cry with the family because I can't help it, mm. but it's, a you know, it's really hard, but I think we have to look at it multiple ways. It can't just always be 
about them. Sometimes it really does have to be about how it's affecting the family. And that's why your son reached out to me in the first place. Cause he has no idea how to, there's 24 hours in a day. That's it. We don't have any yeah. other time. We can't create it. What we're trying to do is make a decision sooner than later and ease into the uncomfortable and say, you know what? Change is okay. That, you know, at the end of the day, I'm still here. I have my own private space. I have the love of my family and I have new people to interact with. And, you know, you can't stay in your apartment all the time and never see other people. It's totally doable in assisted living, the, the you know, caregivers maybe, but I think it's just really important that we look at all the people involved rather than just the senior that's really needing the help because they may be plugging away. Okay. But the son is just not okay. Yeah. And and that's why most of who we see first are the adult children. Mm-hmm. You kind of touched on a strategy there and, and you actually touched on another one. And that is, you know, you can be a private person in assisted living. You, you don't have to participate in all of the activities, but you do have a community of mm-hmm. people that can be right there quicker than 911 if you need something. The other thing too, that can be a really good strategy is let's just try it. Absolutely. Let's try it. If you're in a situation where you don't financially have to sell the house, then why don't we just go try it for 30 days while I'm on vacation, (laughs) right? While the son or the daughter and caregiver is going on vacation, a much needed break from caregiving, let's say, and let's just see what you think. And then it's not so permanent. And I think that brings up another great point too, is that we're not, assisted living is not a lease, right? And and we've done other episodes on exactly what it is, but you're not signing your life away. Approaching the conversation in that way, I think is really, really important because I'm going to throw out a percentage here and I'm going to say probably just for my years of working in senior living, 99% of the time, the person acclimates to the environment. They get over those fears. They make new friends and they don't want to move out. Is that about your percentage for that too? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I've seen people come in and, and, you know, basically kicking and screaming, <laughs> literally. And then a few months later, I'm like, hmm, I see you're having tea with the ladies, you know, or you've joined the garden club or I see you at exercise, you know, and, and those kinds of things, because it, it is one of those deals where we just got to give it time, just give it time to acclimate. And I do love that piece where, you know, there's respite where you have that 14 to 30 day stay, or it's a month to month agreement. You don't like it, give your 30 days and you, you could move in one day and give your 30 days the next day and move out in 30 days. It's, it's really that simple. And, and I share that with people because I think it's important to know it's not forever. It's, you know, it's not this huge change. That's just, you're losing your home. You're losing everything. All the decisions are taken away from you. No, that's the other thing too. Sorry, my brain's going a million miles. Down. I get so excited. <laughs> There's about so this. much. I know. Yes. Me too. Well, yeah. I get so excited because I see the end result, and I see this this lovely senior, happy and healthy and doing great. Ninety nine point nine percent of the time, you know, I've yep. only seen a few people yep. who are just like not for me, and and they've moved out. But maybe that was like two in my whole career. <laughs> right. Um, but I, I just get so, so passionate about it because I, I truly believe in long-term care and, and I got into this industry from high school. I knew what I wanted to do, but it's, you know, there is 
light at the end of the tunnel. It's, we can get through this hard time and get to a better quality of life. And it's truly there. And the interesting thing is when you move into assisted living, there's something called resident rights. Yes. You have more rights in this building than most of, <laughs> most of us Americans do outside of it. So has there been a study done? So kind of the idea that your independence is taken away is absolutely invalid. You, you have more independence and more rights being in an assisted living. And, and that's true of all, I mean, resident rights are, are kind of blanketed for everyone in Washington state. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, and I believe, I, I think every state has, I'm sure. Yeah. Rights. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so so what would you, you know, we've talked about a lot and we're going to put all of this information in show notes and, you know, we don't have like the magic answer it, and, and we've touched on this a couple of times, you know, your loved one better than anybody, but we can just sort of give you ideas. And, and I think also just to let families know that they're not alone in this difficult conversation, but for you, Becca, what would be just your number one doable tip? for families that are getting ready or thinking about having this conversation? It is really difficult to be put in that position almost unknowingly because then you're like, wait, I'm not here to be the bad guy. Like there's not a bad guy. No one's a bad guy. And I think that's where some families or, or some individuals kind of have an issue because they're looking at it already as a negative thing. And I don't want to talk to her about it. I'm not going to ask her. She's going to freak out. Well, you keep saying it's going to come to fruition. That's just normal, you know? So I I think it's important to always ask the question, if I can get them on the phone ahead of time, like, what are your expectations of me at this time? Because I need to know, I need to know what they're expecting me to talk about. And then what questions do you think your parent is going to ask? And most importantly, what questions should I not ask? Because there are questions that a stranger should not ask you. And that's different for everyone. I always have to ask, like, am I asking about the fall from two years ago? Because you mentioned she's really upset about that. She was really embarrassed by it. So should we say, I know, you know, and really talk with me beforehand, because I will help you. I'm never going to tell someone they need to move. And I'm, while I'm sales, I'm not a salesperson. I really, truly feel like I am, I'm just helping people. and. I, I never have that time where I'm like, well, no, this is what you should do because this, this, and this happened. That's, that's not a way to approach people. It is sales. I get it. That's a sales piece, but this is a, a change in someone's life. It's not a, it's not a sale, you know, and I'm happy to be the mediator as long as I know up front and I have to know what's not what I cannot ask. Don't put me into that hard space because then I can't help you anymore because they've already shut me out. And I'm not their niece or their granddaughter or their daughter or their loved one. They don't care if they ever talk to me again. So keep us in the loop and let us know what your expectations of us are. And I think that's really big is letting me know what you expect from me. Today's episode is brought to you by Brookdale Courtyard Assisted Living in Puyallup, Washington. At this location, you'll enjoy the cozy comforts of home with personal assistance to give you the helping hand you need. Check out their full activity calendar and delicious food too. At Brookdale, it's much more than a place to stay. It's a place to live well. 
Find out more in today's show notes. Check out this episode's doable download in show notes for details, including industry terms and definitions we discussed, as well as a bonus tip from our guest. Have questions or your own tips to share? Leave us a message. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, make it doable.